We're the 12 sided guys. We have Matt as Pine. Hi. Scott as Roots. That's me. Jordan as Ebby. Salutations. Sabrina as Nari. Hey there. And me, Paul, as the mad oracle who can only speak in rhymes for some reason. Thanks for listening. If you like the adventure so far, leave us a review on iTunes, Podbean, etc., etc. There are a lot of podcast apps out there. Or consider becoming a patron of the 12-Sided Guys by going to patreon.com slash 12-Sided Guys. That's one, two-sided guys. More content is always good. And my personal favorite, the maps and the wiki are being updated after every episode. Here's another little nugget. As the DM, I don't always know what's going to happen. I never know what's going to happen. Remember the direwolves a couple episodes ago? So I have to prepare ahead of time. That means that for our patrons at the $10 tier, they can go explore the world of Pavantis and even find maps for cities that the players haven't been to yet. Marlek, I'm looking at you. It's been fun keeping it up to date, and so far people seem to really like it. So check it out. So, Paul, there was not one single rhyme in there, crazy mad oracle. I rhymed with that uh, when I was Tedward the Bard, um, and uh, I vowed I might never rhyme again. And then I decided, no, you guys wait. I'm pretty sure there will be some more rhymes. (laughs) (laughs) You mean like intro rhymes? Like intro rhymes. Gotcha, okay. Yes. Or like Leanne rhymes. (laughs) I am all about value. (laughs) If I knew any of her songs, I would sing one right here, but I don't. Also, if you've ever rescued a dog named Turbo, a dolphin named Lou, a snail named Gnome, or a doll named Marie, then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex, episode 18. Quick uh, poll, who here knows what the heck Paul was talking about with the dog named Turbo, etc.? I don't. I I was stumped. Yeah, that one went yeah. over my head, too. Yes. yes. Nice. Deep okay. cuts. Deep cuts. All right. If you know what we're talking about, then tweet us at hashtag 12-sided guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to tweet. <laughs> at hashtag somebody else needs to take over somebody else needs to take over talking about twi- twitter because i do not understand the tweets <laughs> all right be sure to tweet us at www dot what was it www period yeah yeah i was gonna say something about a metal mantis and crab walking but i decided to stick to the more obscure points like the name of the dog whose name was Turbo in a fantasy land for some reason. Who was dead? You yeah, freed Turbo. his bones. That's right. <laughs> I totally forgot you freed his bones. <gasps> Shoot, I was wrong in my intro. Hey, everybody who's listening to the intro, I apologize that I was wrong. It's a rainy, windy, stormy night. Our heroes are sitting in a stable that they don't own with Nothing but the light of uh, a crystal floating around Apple Bottom's rump sticking up in the air as our good friend Pine sits by that dim light, scratching out a letter. Sanya, I write this letter and carry it on my person so that you may receive word if I fail in my attempts. Should this letter reach you, know that I am dead. My efforts to see the peoples of Pavantus free of tyranny have borne some fruit and have created some powerful adversaries. My fight with the Empire has revealed 
devoted allies and a sense of clarity in our mission, even as the number of unanswered questions grows. At the time of writing, my colleagues and I are being relentlessly pursued through the forest south of Mount Tabor. We have happened upon a place of refuge, but can only afford an hour or two of rest before we must continue our flight through the darkened woods. During our travels, my friends and I have discovered a prophecy known to the most powerful in the Empire. On its surface, it speaks of an heir to the Everlyn throne, but upon a deeper analysis, it is so much more. Your mother's name, Petal, is found within, and it drew me to this new understanding. The prophecy, though not about us, does describe my companions and me, and I believe we now know who the heir to the Everlyn throne is. That said, we are but signs, omens that something terrible, something long delayed and forgotten, is at the cusp of consuming our world, and it appears that the Empire aims to ensure that is what transpires. I know these sound like the ravings of an adult mind. Surely your father has grown darty in his old age. Not so, Sanya. I have a strength and resolve I haven't felt since Redleaf. I am younger now than last we spoke. Little kitten, I do not ignore that it has been some years since we've seen eye to eye. But you are my daughter, and allegiances and the march of time will not erase the love and esteem I hold for you. Know that what I do, I do for the good of all the peoples of Pavantis. You did what was right for you, and I was wrong to fault you so strongly. But there is more to all this than that which the Emperor makes known. Machinations at the highest levels consider us small folk as irrelevant at best, pawns or necessary sacrifices at worst. I fight for a world in which sovereign states needn't live in fear of usurpation by the Almerian Empire, and in which her people do not become the costly collateral of conquest. Think of me kindly, for that which I do, I do with pure purpose of heart, with my love, Papa. And then uh, Pine will fold this letter up and write, Captain Sanya Pine, Imperial Army, and put it in his pocket. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Well, that was unexpected. What? What? <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. As you guys venture out of this stable, back out into the wet, cold, dark night, Pine leading the way, followed by Crumbles with, I believe, Nari on his back and Applebottom, and then Roos and Ebby bringing up the rear. Uh, it is now roughly 4 a.m. in the morning. Uh, you know that dawn is just a few hours off, and with it, hopefully, some light. But for now, you venture back out into the woods, into the dark. What do you guys want to do? Well, I suppose we're going to continue our trek heading towards the lake, right? Southeast, right? Oh, yes, I am. Seems like the best direction for me as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm eager to get there. Got a lot on my mind. Well, we can't, we can't get lazy now. We have to be ever on our guard. Keep your eyes up. I just wish we had a tent. That night out of the rain was nice, even for a few hours. All right, you guys push back into the woods. You know, Ebby, we talked about this in our last uh, session, 
that eventually you will reach the road. Um, it's got a it's bound to pass your uh, to cross your path here eventually. Um, but with all the dark and the rain and the battle, uh, you're having a hard time knowing exactly when it will um, it will show up. So what I want you guys to do as you're going through the woods, marching along, I want you guys to make uh, perception checks. So uh, Pine got a 13. Roos also got a 13. Nari got a 12. Ebby got a 10. Okay. All right. As you guys are trekking along for this first hour or so, um, it's slow going. Um, you know, you found this building and this stable, and uh, after just a few minutes of walking through the woods, you can't even find a path that would even lead to it. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a very remote building, um, almost like uh, it's not very uh, very heavily used, and so there's no there's no path back and forth to the main road. Uh, that being said, you. You head off in a direction that you assume is southeast towards the lake. Does anybody have like a um, a sense of direction? Is that anybody's class feature or part of anybody's uh, um, attributes? So I, Ebby has the wanderer feature. Okay. And it says he has an excellent memory for maps and geography and can always recall the general layout of terrain, settlements, and other features around you. Okay. Oh, awesome. Then scratch what I just said, Abby. You actually are fairly certain that you're going to hit this road in about another three hours if you can keep at this same pace. This way, guys. Only three hours to go. Only three hours till sunrise. It's probably more like four hours till sunrise, but yeah. You should find the road a little bit before sunrise. Okay. As you guys are trekking through the woods, um, I want you guys to make a survival check real quick. You can make a uh, survival check with advantage. This is just going to help determine how fast you guys uh, get there. Uh, Abby, do you so, want to take that? Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to. All right. Survival with advantage. I rolled a 26 and a 9, so 26. All right, fantastic. Yeah, um, actually, so uh, you find out that um, this area, you have a relatively... Um, good idea that there are some high spots like some uh, some hills and things in this part of the forest that if you stick to those hills you should be able to stay out of a lot of the the uh the recesses where the water is pooling and you should be able to make a little bit better time so you actually find that as you're traveling through the forest you start picking up uh some speed and even with uh you know a blind uh Aileton and uh um uh, a human with a lizard lizard goggles on uh you're still able to make pretty good pretty good time uh, heading towards the, the road. So after this first hour, you guys actually make up about a half an hour of time. Um, it looks like you guys uh, might get to the road even sooner. So for this next hour, I want you guys to make perception checks. Pine rolled a 16. Nari got a 10 with disadvantage. Roos got five. And Ebby rolled an eight. Okay. Okay, so it would make sense as Pine is leading the way, um, kind of, I imagine you're kind of helping Crumbles along, um, you know, hey, watch out for the, there, there's a, there's a pothole there, there's a root there, that type of thing. Um, Pine, as you are walking along, you suddenly hear some noise in the bushes uh, or trees off to your left. Um, it's 
faint, but you're fairly certain that there's something out there. It might be a cat or a dog or something, or it might be something more. Um, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of rustling, but you definitely heard that there is something to your left. All right, I hold up my fist, like like tactical teams, like stop everybody. And then I turn around and with my hands, I'm like point to my ears and then point over there and like point to Roos. Um, basically trying to communicate to Roos that uh, he should go sneak and check it out. Okay, Roos will uh, nod his head and proceed cautiously towards where Pine indicated. You try to be sneaky, so I want you to make a stealth check. Okay. Then I want you to make an investigation check. So I got a 12 for my stealth and a 28 for my investigation. That's a nat 20 on investigation and like a 5 that I rolled for stealth. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. As you start sneaking uh, towards where Pine indicated, um, you get so focused on looking ahead that you miss like the one branch that is still dry in this entire forest and you step on it and you feel it crack. And so your stealth is shot, but with your 28 investigation, as you are looking at the area that pine uh, indicated, suddenly you see what looks like uh, something round, like the size of uh, like a human head kind of pop up from behind a bush and then instantly duck back down. What did it, did I catch any details of it as I saw? Well, with a natural 20, it looks like it was definitely um, a, a person's head. You think you saw some facial hair as well? Um, like a beard? I'll um, put my hand on one of my throwing daggers and kind of say as confidently as I can, you over there in the bushes, I need you just stand up and show yourself. Can the rest of us hear this? Are we close enough to, to that? Uh, how loud were you, Roos? Uh, loud enough. The people behind me could probably hear. Okay. All right, then I'm drawing my sword and starting to head that way as well. Okay. Um, you hear a voice, and it's, a, it's a, an adult male voice that says, oh, 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 Please, please don't, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. I'm standing up now. And you see um, a figure stand up. It looks like um, has kind of short cut hair, but it's plastered to his head just from the rain. He's got a kind of a bushy beard. He's wearing like a cloak, but it's all soaked. And he just kind of he stands up. He looks like he's probably around, you know, somewhere between five, eight and six foot. Um, and he stands up and he kind of puts his hands up and he says, don't don't kill me. Are you are you with the Empire? I I think I had put on an imperial jacket a couple days before, so I think I'm still probably wearing that. You are. Okay, then never mind. He doesn't say that. He says, please, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. I don't plan to. What are you what are you doing out here? You 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 guys you you came to my house. You you took my wife and my kids. Don't hurt me. I'm trying to get them back. That wasn't me. Um, and I'll turn back to the group and say, we can keep moving. I don't think this has anything to do with us. Wait, wait, wait. The Empire took your wife and children? Where are you from, sir? So he's looking around. Anyone who has dark vision can see that this guy cannot see who's out there. Like, okay. he, can, he can barely see the outline of, uh, of Roos. Um, 
he says, he says, my name's Artis. I'm Artis. Please, please don't hurt me. I, I have to get my wife and my children back. Where are you from, Artis? Here, here. I have a, I have a small home out here. We, we live off the land. We, we don't bother nobody. How long ago did the Empire take your, your home and your family? Just a couple of hours ago. They came in saying they was looking for somebody. And they rounded us up, said that maybe we was helping. But we didn't, we don't help nobody. We, we didn't see nobody. <sighs> they, they hit me. They, they hit me and I played dead. And they took my wife and kids. I'm a coward. Nobody else can hear this, but Rooster you're close enough. You can kind of hear him start to sob a little bit. Where's your home? How far away? My home is just, it's just about a quarter mile back that way. And uh, you can see he points uh, roughly like southwest. So a little off the ways from where you guys were headed. Where we were headed or where we were coming from? So you guys were coming from the northwest. Okay. And now you're, so you're heading southeast towards the lake. And so where you guys are at right now, you guys are heading southeast and he points to the southwest. Does that all make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Ebby's going to kind of walk up towards Pine and whisper to Pine and basically just ask, it seems like a noble cause to go and help this individual, but can we spare the time? I whisper, I feel responsible. They're here looking for us. Nari is going to pipe up while looking in the completely wrong direction because she can't see. Um, <laughs> and she's going to suggest that, I, I mean, I don't know if helping him would do him more help or more harm. The more he knows, the more danger he might be in. You raise an interesting point, Nari. If we go to his aid and we were to engage with Imperial soldiers again, they would have no doubt as to his involvement and would likely further persecute his family. He rolled a natural one to try to overhear what you guys are talking about back over there. So he's just kind of <laughs> sitting there crying. Roos can hear hear the conversation, but the your guys' whispers don't carry far enough to get to Artis. What if we gave him some... What if we do the same thing we did for Fallen Heaven? What if we give him just enough information to show that he is... Um, trying to help the soldiers, but won't necessarily put them on our trail. What if we tell him, oh, we saw these um, strange people in the woods back at like um, some kind of a cabin with a stable, and we could kind of see the general direction. Maybe they could go there, find evidence that we'd been there in the stable, but, you know, we've been careful. We haven't hopefully been leaving too much of a trail, and we've been making good time. We might be able to stay ahead of them. I mean, if he's, if he's smart enough, he'll just point them in our direction, though. Well, luckily, Roos here is wearing a, a uniform. <laughs> this is all just a waste of time. Not for him. Now, Roos, he did hear you say that. And he says, just, just give me a weapon or something. I'll go get him on my own. Help me out. Please. You'll just end up getting yourself killed. He starts sobbing again. We cannot take Applebottom back to the Empire. We have survived by the skin of our teeth. 
too many times just tonight. We need to keep moving. Pine will take out the officer's jacket that he took off of the one of the swordsmen uh, in the in the fight um, and kind of put it over his shoulders and, and go up to the man, hopefully close enough so he can make out some of the detail and say, listen, we are also on patrol. I want you to go back to your home. Let them know that you saw other soldiers who were doing a sweep, that they saw something um, in a seems to be a remote cabin with a stable um, back toward the um, the north, uh, the northwest from here. Um, and that they seemed to be going farther north. See if you can give them that information. That might help. But they, they think I'm dead. I, I played dead. They already, they already came to my house. They're not there anymore. I tried to follow them through the woods and I lost them. Wait, 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 wait. They're not keeping your family at your house. They didn't just board themselves there and kind of take over and, and kick you out. No. They're taking your family with them. Yes, yes. They said they had to take them. They were, they were rounding up any potential suspects or people who might have been helping somebody else. I don't know. Fallen Heaven or some other, some other group. I don't know. But they took them and they said they had to wait for, for her to show up to determine who was involved and who wasn't. One one of the soldiers said that he, I mean, he believed me. He said that obviously we didn't know anything, and the other one said that it didn't matter because they didn't have any say. It was her. I don't know who she is, but but apparently she has a lot of power. She's she's the one in charge, and and it's up to her. And it, it, it the impression I got when they were talking it was it was it was bad. It was I don't I don't think there's going to be any any true justice for my family if it's up to her. At least that's the way that they was talking. So do I think he's setting a trap for us? Why don't you make an insight check? Uh, well, with a three, I'm guessing <laughs> it's pretty uh, uh, fuzzy. Yeah, uh, you are on edge. You are, you've been in multiple combats in the last 24 hours. You have run into random patrols of, of the Empire. You are unsure whether to trust this guy or not. Pine has too much toxic masculinity. He sees crying and he just gets uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Point of order. You did see him shed a tear. You did see him shed a tear as he was writing that letter last night. Or a couple hours before. Yeah, we'll say that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not. Curse you for making us see the consequences of our heroic actions. (laughs) No murder hobos in my campaigns. We're noble. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> Says the most actual blood noble person in our party. <laughs> Bruce is cold-blooded, though. Did you hear that? He was yeah. going to leave oh, this yeah. guy high and dry. Yeah. Well, all he's asking for is a weapon at this point. I will pull out one of my three throwing daggers and throw it in the mud at his feet. He, uh, he hears it hit the ground. And he drops to his knees and he starts feeling around until he, he finds the dagger and he pulls it up. And uh, make a perception check, Roos. Got a f- <laughs> I'm, I'm on fire with these nat ones. I got a five. <laughs> he says, uh, you hear him say, uh, uh, I, I thank you for your help. Well, good luck. And I'll start walking ahead. Damn it. 
I don't like the idea of leaving him behind. I don't like the idea of leaving a blind man in the dark with a dagger. I don't like any of this. You can't you can't honestly be considering walking back to the empire with our prisoner. No, and there's there's really not much hope for him anyway. I mean, even if he tells the soldiers some some story about us going to the the cabin, they'll realize it was a distraction eventually and and punish him for it. I don't know if there's anything we can do. Oh, all right. I have an idea. <clears throat> Does anyone have something that would that we could give away that would let them know who we are that he could give to the empire? Um I do actually have a few things. Um back when we fought in the town square, I tried to carry adjudicator Rolf, but he passed away unfortunately from his wounds as we were leaving and of course I stripped him of his jacket, his ring, and a pouch of money. Um we could give him adjudicator Rolf's jacket as evidence. I'm afraid that might make him look somewhat guilty. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking something that might identify Mr. Pine or, or you, Ebby, to get them on the trail of us. Mm. Why should he tell them if, we give, if he gives, the, gives them something of ours? We should rough him up a little bit. Say he grappled with us. He was able to grab this off of you when we went maybe southwest. No one would believe that this man fought us and survived. That, that's what I'm thinking as well. I'm thinking possibly honesty might be the best course for this man. Just just have him say that, that we all bunked together in that barn. This is very important to me, but I want you to be to have a shot at at least freeing your family. And I'm going to hand over my uh, insignia of rank, my lieutenant general's half cape. Ooh, wow. Oh. And you wore that at the uh, Battle of the Gallows, didn't you? I did. Um, so I will give that to him and I will say, let the soldiers know, the one in charge, that this was given to you by me. Let them know I that- just had another idea. What? what? Why don't we give him something of uh, Mr. Ramsey here? Well, I'll take that cape back. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, wait, what? I don't know if we want to be associated with the fact that Ramsey's still alive. I mean, at least that's a little. You mean apple bottom? Yes, apple yes, bottom. Yes, apple bottom. Apple bottom. Um, I'm not sure we really want to give away any of apple bottom's genes. <laughs> we could relieve him of a finger and send that on its way, maybe with some sort of insignia of the empire on it. Well, we have his gloves. They seem to be special. Yeah, let's do that, and then I'll I'll tell the man in the in the bushes, say, give him these gloves. Tell him you saw some people that that match our description, and that you found this in the trail behind us. Uh, okay. Uh, what, which, which direction should I say you guys are going? Due south. Straight, straight south. What's the, what's a city, um, that would be, like, south of us? 
So the the closest city is less a city and more a town, but it's still like it's still like almost uh, fifty or seventy. I think seventy miles away. It's still like a three days hike um, on the on the on the road uh, to get there. It's a town called Destin, D E S T O N. Okay. Um, and it's uh, I mean, it's a walled, you know, quote unquote city, but uh, it's not very big. I'll tell the man say, "We're headed to Destin." That's what you can tell them. Okay. Okay. He takes the the one glove, um, and uh, says, "Thank, thank you. I, I hope this is enough." As do I. I appreciate what you've done for me, and for mine, and uh, uh, may the lords and ladies look over you uh, in in your times of need. Artis, I wish you best of luck. Says now, which way is east? <laughs> <laughs> he got lost. He got lost out here. He can't see. <laughs> Wait, he, so he's heading to the east. He's heading east. Yep, that's where we're heading. You're heading southeast. Okay. Yeah. So kind of in the same direction, but he's he he wants to head straight east. You guys are all wandering around in the dark in a forest in the middle of a storm. So did these soldiers take off to the east then? Yeah, they were they were headed east. I know that they were headed east because I know which way my my house is situated, and they they headed pretty much straight east from my place. So uh, they they took my wife and my and my kids with them and. They, they headed that way. I was, I was following them, and then I, I, got, I got behind because some of them were mounted, and I couldn't keep up. And then before I knew it, their, their torches were out of sight, and, and I got turned around, and I fell down. And So if you just point me to east, I, I'll, I'll do the rest. Do you think they could be heading toward Tabory? Back to a base of operations for them. He says, he says no, they, they said that, they were, that there was a... They had a camp, a rendezvous out here in the forest. They're looking for, they're looking for four folks, an old man and a, and a tall woman, and a cloaked, cloaked man and a, and then a man with a terrible mustache. <laughs> hey, you can't see my mustache in the dark. I didn't know who was who. I can't see anything in the dark. <laughs> and I'm sure if I could see it, I'd say your mustache was dashing. Thank you. It is dashing. It's really not. It looks so bad. <laughs> oh man. I don't I don't like this guys. Yeah, I don't like the idea of giving him something of ram or of apple bottoms. Like I just I I don't know. I feel like that's just gonna bring them down on us even more. They're you can't consider taking our prisoner to their encampment. That's just ludicrous. No, no, I'm suggesting like not giving him anything of of apple bottoms. Like I just I think that that's too much information. He he hears you guys talking now, um, and he says, "Well, you, you have a prisoner. Maybe they would exchange your prisoner for the ones they took of my family." Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we could do an exchange. How much money do you have on you? Oh, nothing. I. I left it all back at the house, and we're not rich folk. Then you can't afford my prisoner. Bruce, this is our prisoner. Right. Our prisoner. And this isn't about money. This is about right. Well, what's the right thing to do? We go help this man, and we lose our prisoner? 
or you guys kick ass and then you don't lose anything. <laughs> <laughs> Murder hobos! <laughs> Y'all, I think we just send this man on his way and, and try to ride out. I I agree with Nari on this. I don't have the spell reserves at this point to take on another contingent of Imperial soldiers. And with the cargo we have, it's too precious. I say we continue onward, but then perhaps after we deliver the cargo, we could consider returning to help the individual. I agree. I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave this undone. But I, I can't help but think the um, this man he mentioned that there would be a woman who'd come and would know if they were involved. I'm assuming they sent another adjudicator. Another adjudicator, or it could be. The priest of of Irumiel, the one who was at the gallows. Oh, she right. survived. Right. So she would know, and she'd be able to tell that they weren't there. If she has memory of the events, she would know they're innocent. I, I would hope that a priest, even of one, even a priest of a deity that is foreign and and and, and not recognized here, would would still have the, the the sense of right and wrong to not condemn innocence. I wouldn't put my money on it, but I would put this guy's life, I guess. Roos is going to pull out an Everlight stick, crack it so it starts glowing, and hand it to the guy. This should help you find your way. As you hand it to him, suddenly some EDM turns on. He starts, oomps, 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 and like doing like some. Anyway. Ebby starts doing the robot dance. Which is every dance for Evie. He sees your mustache and stumbles back. <laughs> oh, God, it's, it's true. terrible. The rumors are true. <laughs> How do you turn this thing off? Turn it off. Turn it off. <laughs> How do I know my eyes? No, um, he, he does hear what you're saying, and he says, no, they, I don't know what, what, what you're talking about. They're, they're not talking about us being in Tabri. They're, they're talking about us helping people out here, helping people evade their search. Well, you haven't. If anything, we've helped you. You're right. You have helped me. And and for this, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful. Now, if you could just just point me east. I And he, you see him clench the dagger. He says, I, I have to get my family. Good luck. <laughs> Somebody point him east. He's looking around. <laughs> I don't know what direction it is. There's one person who knows which way east is. Ebby <laughs> will go ahead and point towards the east. All right. He says, I thank you. And then he, he starts walking off through the woods. You uh, you see him go around a couple trees. You see the glow disappear um, after a few minutes. Um, actually, not for a few minutes. After like 30 or 40 seconds, he's lost behind trees and shrubbery. And Artis is gone. Well, we better get moving pretty quickly here. All right. You guys going to keep heading off in the southeasterly direction? Yes. Sorry. I love how upset you are. It's so good. In our, in the intro, I literally just read the line that I don't want the people of the Almerian Empire to become the costly collateral of conquest. And then we send this guy off to die trying to save his family. Oh, to all of the listeners out there, I do love a good moral conundrum. Um, you know, trying to pick. It's the trolley uh, problem, right? Yeah, um, love the trolley yeah. problem. Yeah, well, there you go. You guys just made a choice. Whether it was the right one or not, you guys made a choice, stuck with it, and I commend you for that. 
we put the one person on the other side and then just had the train run them all through. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are looking at big picture. You guys are looking at big picture and that's okay. All right, you guys start heading off southeast. Um, you, you keep making good time. Uh, we'll keep that same survival roll because it was pretty awesome. Why don't you guys make another perception check for the next uh, the next couple of hours? And I hope I fail so I don't find any more people whose families have been kidnapped and need help. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. I got a six. <laughs> Roos got a 17. Ebby rolled a 16. And with disadvantage, Nari got a nat one, which is still a nine. That's that's good. That's a good. That's a good net one. Um, yeah, Pine can't see much because uh, of all the salty rain in his eyes. Just it's salty rain. It's so um, salty. <laughs> it's so salty. It's just been so raining salty. on my face. Yeah, yeah. So many, so many raindrops keep falling from your eyes. There's a song about that too. Okay. Um, yeah. After a while, you guys start heading uh, heading south east. And, um, Ebby, you're fairly certain that the road is coming up very soon. All right, Roos, with your roll of 17, Ebby, with your roll of 16, you guys both become aware of the light starting to shine down through the trees. Not so much like the sun is actually visible, but just the light is starting to come down through the clouds. It's still raining. It's still stormy. Uh, The ground is still sopping wet, but you're starting to be able to see shapes of trees and of bushes starting to see the path that you can travel a little bit clearer, even though like Ebby and, and Bruce, you both have dark vision. Um, but suddenly you start to get a little bit of color in and it takes a little while for, um, for Nari to, uh, to start to notice as well, um, that there is now some things that she can see. It almost, it almost sneaks up on you, uh, before you know it, you realize that you, you can see, um, and, uh, yeah, Pine doesn't see much of anything because he's too busy um, probably pondering the the events of what just happened with that with that man, Artis, just trying to rescue his family. You guys are heartless. Anyway, as you guys continue to travel through the woods, um, you don't hear any more commotion. And at some point, um, the sun is up. You, you imagine it's probably up as high, like... Not up as high as it's going to go, but the light has filtered down through the storm and the trees as much as it's going to. You have fairly good visibility at this point, especially compared to last time. And, um, Ebby, you assume that you are coming very close to the road. The road that once you get to the road, if you follow it um, to the west and south, it will take you to the town of Destin. If you follow it to the east, or northeast, basically, it'll take you back to the ferry and to Tabory. Um, and just as you're thinking that, uh, Roos, you spot the road up ahead. You are kind of up still on this rise, coming out of the trees a little bit. And you can see there's a there's like a little bit of a path coming down off this rise. There's some sharper edges. You see a lot of puddles and ponds that you can tell are not permanent. They've all just kind of come because of the storm. And down, um, probably a good 120, 150 feet ahead of you, you see the road, Roos. Okay. I said 120 feet. It's actually more like 80 feet from where you guys are at to the uh, to the road. Roos is going to take Gigi off of his head and say, mm-hmm. thanks for your help last night, girl. You go take a nap. And he's going to tuck her into his pocket. And okay. pu- he's going to pull out the bow that he grabbed from the 
the soldiers the night before and say, the road's up ahead. Let's, let's be careful as we cross through the opening. Okay, real quick question. Bruce, are you proficient with longbows? Uh, I, nope. Well, it says simple weapons. I think a longbow is a martial weapon, actually. Is it? I think. It, on the, so on my actions, it let me equip it. You can equip it without proficiency. It's just you don't get to add your proficiency to your attack rolls. Gotcha. Yeah, what does it say? What does it say you roll then to shoot the bow? Uh, plus four. So that would just be my dex modifier. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so you're not proficient with it. You can still take a shot with it. You're just not going to be as good as, yeah. as if you were proficient with it. I'm just, I'm equipping it mostly for the range. Got it. Okay. You guys uh, are up here about 80 feet from the road. What do you guys want to do? I think we need to be on our guard. Agreed. Do we want to walk on the actual road or do we want to walk along kind of the forest nearby? I feel we should cross the road and and get far from it. It's too open, too exposed. Even better. I agree. Shall we do this quickly? Do you see anybody coming either way? Roos, with your perception of 17... As you guys are having this conversation, you uh, start to hear um, what sounds like um, the slop of feet in mud. It's kind of distant, but it sounds like it's coming from the, uh, from the east and coming your direction. Okay. Roos is going to shush everybody and walk towards the ridge, kind of overlooking those mud puddles and overlooking the um, overlooking the road and kind of lay low on the ground looking over the ridge and I'm trying to sneak right okay make a stealth check got a 16 stealth okay let's see here as we as we do this Paul can I also have I'm gonna summon Lord Moshe's companion as the hawk spirit this time. Okay. And so what this will do is um, when a creature makes an attack roll, I can give them advantage with their attack roll as like a reaction. And um, we all allies, you and your allies gain advantage on wisdom um, perception checks while in the aura. Oh, nice. And so I'm actually going to send the the hawk to kind of it's going to shoot forth as kind of this muted green tone and follow Roos to give him advantage on perception rolls. All right. What does this hawk look like? Does it look like just a normal hawk? Is there anything special about it? Yeah, I think it, it looks like a normal kind of falcon from the mountains here, but it is it is all a muted greenish color. It doesn't glow brightly or anything like that, um, but it is. It, it doesn't look entirely natural. I was hoping that it was a like a, a big dude with face paint and spiked shoulder pads like Hawk from the Legion of Doom. <laughs> just following Roos around. Hey, you can look, you can see well now. What's that over there? <laughs> yeah, good job, brother. Okay, very cool. All right, so this Hawk starts following uh, right behind uh, Roos. Roos, with your perception, um, and you, you see, coming down the road, you see a, what looks like a heavily armored figure kind of come out from behind some trees on the road and he is riding on a horse you see uh he's got a gray jacket on of the empire 
um, and he has a lance in his hand. He is slowly riding down the road, looking left and right. Um, it does not look like he sees you. Okay, Bruce is going to slowly crawl back towards the party and let them know that there's a patrol on the road. Guys, there's there's a man on a on a horseback and a lance, at least one, and it looks like he's patrolling over the the road right here at this section. He's probably not alone. And and I'm gonna try to I'm gonna take crumbles and try to find some um. A place to hide in some um, bushes and trees and things. Okay, it looks like there's some. There's like a tree to your left, a tree to your right. Um, plenty of places to kind of tuck in. Why don't you go make a stealth check? Pyan rolled an eighteen, and Crumbles rolled a twenty-one, and that twenty. Wow, nice. Woohoo! All right, yeah, you guys find this tree to hide in. Um, Roos, you're back now with kind of the group, correct? Yeah, after I had said that, I would probably have scooted back to my my ledge. I, I wanted to keep an eye on the road. Okay. All right, well, Roos, as you're hanging out on that ledge um, with your hide of 16, I'll let you keep that same uh, check. You see that there is another horseman coming down after. Um, he's at, you know, probably about 10, 20 feet behind the first one. And he's scanning the road as well. Um, the first guy, now that you're looking at him, the first guy looked a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, lazy in his looks. This second one looks a lot more careful in his examination, but you're still fairly certain he did not see you. But I want to know what Nari and Ebby are going to do, because that will help determine what happens next. I think Nari is just going to try to make herself as small as possible and hide. Um, okay. Not be noticed. Try to go find a tree? Mm-hmm. Or just, yeah, be quiet. Or just like drop down on your belly, kind of hide up on, because you you're on the high ground a little bit. So if you can get low, then they might not be able to see you. Yeah, I think that's probably. I wouldn't want to move too much. I'd rather just like drop low if there's some grass to just kind of like hide in. Yeah, yeah, perfect. You just drop down into the into the wet grass, into the kind of the mud and and soupiness. Why don't you make a make a high uh, stealth check, and then Evie, what are you gonna do? I'm actually gonna do something very similar. Just kind of <laughs> crouch down and try to kind of maybe shuffle off to the left over to the trees that are closer to me. Okay. What's your hawk doing? Uh, staying close to Roos um, and just kind of like maybe hovering, you know, in the air kind of in that area or if there's a branch nearby, he might okay. post up on the branch. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, just kind of finds a little bush to hang out in. And you're going to go over to the tree there to your left and try to hide. Why don't you make a uh, stealth check? And Nari, what did you get for your stealth check? I got a nat one. Oh, no. <laughs> so I got five. Oh, gosh. Ebby got a 14 on his stealth check. All right. A 14. Okay. Well, here's what is going. Oh, what happened there? I noticed that there's a small version of the map just just <laughs> right above him. That looks right? like I got put in as a token or something. <laughs> right here. <laughs> okay. So I made this map. Um, so... Real quick for anybody listening, the maps you can see on on uh, on the wiki um, on our atlas and wiki. If you become a patron, uh, I post them all up there uh, so you can see our battle maps and everything. Um, and I use Dungeon Draft for the battle maps. It's a fantastic program. But every once in a while, when you download, when you export your map from Dungeon Draft, there'll be some little glitch. And in this case, one of the squares, instead of being 
the part of the map. It is a smaller <laughs> version of the map. So the map has a mini map. So anyway, that's what they're that's what they're talking about. So before you get too far ahead, Paul, my plan is if any of these men approach us, I'm going to throw a sleep crystal at their horse. All right. Okay, so um, as you guys are hiding, you see uh, that the second horseman starts to move past, and then you see a third horseman followed by somebody that, Bruce, this person looks familiar. As you are, as you are watching from the ridge, you see a third horseman and you see a woman. Uh, this woman, the last time you saw her was probably, I don't know, like nine episodes ago. <laughs> um, it is the priest of Iramil. Uh, she looks a little different than she looked last time. Last time you saw her was at the gallows in Tapery. This time you see that, uh, you realize that at that, at the gallows, she was dressed for ceremony. Now she is dressed for uh, war. She's wearing armor. It's a, a black breastplate with a white symbol of a hand like raised up off the front with two white wings coming off on either side. Um, she's got a like a black uh, cape on with like a, 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 a trim border of white, but that white is like uh, embattled. So it looks like almost like a, a tower top that goes kind of around the edge instead of it just being like a straight line around the edge, if that makes any sense what I'm saying. Um, she's wearing, instead of wearing like a headband with wings on it, now she's got like a helmet with wings on either side. Um, and she is carrying a, uh, a, a shield and you see that she's got her mace. Uh, make a perception check, uh, Ruse. With advantage, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ruse got a 21 with advantage of okay. the perception. Okay, so you can remember this woman, and you remember her swinging, um, or not swinging, she ever, I don't think she ever actually attacked with her mace, but she had like a mace in her hand, um, and this mace that she's got hanging from her belt uh, looks different. It looks definitely um, uh, more symbolic. It's got a black wood haft, uh, and then the head of the mace is actually like, it's a flange mace, which is like six different edges, um, and each of the edges kind of has the look of uh, of wings, uh, and it's hanging from her waist. It, it looks more like a symbol of office, but it also looks way more um, intricate and, uh, and and basically beautiful. Um, and she is walking down, talking with this this other soldier who's on a horse, and um, following behind her, you see that there are um, two uh, men walking along with, uh, with bows and arrows uh, in leather armor. As they are talking, you see the last mounted soldier to appear. Um, he's, he bends down to talk to this woman, and then he looks up and glances up the ridge, and he points up the ridge and he says, something there on top of the hill. And you can only assume that as you guys all look back, you see Nari's rump in the air and her gleaming <laughs> bright mithril uh, Chainmail just catches the light just right oh, no. as she tries to hide in the grass. Who me? With your natural one uh, uh, stealth check. So we are going to roll initiative. Awesome. Sorry, guys. Oof, this is going to be brutal, guys. 
It's all good. Well, we got a short rest. <laughs> Everything is okay now. Totally fine. There's only um, Imperial Great Swordsmen who are now mounted instead of on their foot. <laughs> okay. Roos got a 15 for his initiative. Nice. Pine got a 19. Nari got a 9. Ebby rolled a 7. All right. So we are entering initiative. And that brings us to, at the top of the order, we have Pine standing behind this bush hiding with Crumbles and Chancellor Ramsey on Crumbles' back. Okay. I don't like going first in this situation. <laughs> Stop having such good dexterity then. I'm going to draw Hop's longbow and move to the top of the ridge. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and take a shot at the knight that saw us. That would be the one in the back of the order. So there's three knights, there's two scouts, and then there's a priest of Iramil. Okay. Ooh, actually, no. I'm going to take a shot at the priest of Iramil. Okay. Uh, 25 to hit. That definitely hits. All right. I do 12 piercing damage with Hop's longbow. <laughs> Is that max damage? <laughs> that would be max damage, yeah. Nice. Just like that, from out of the trees, an arrow comes firing down off the ridge, and this priest is looking to see where that uh, that uh, mounted knight had had pointed, and suddenly an arrow comes shooting out, and it actually catches right underneath her visor. Her visor is up right now of her helmet, and it cuts right across her cheek. And she says, she yells out, well, it's not her turn, but she, she still yells out. She goes, um, well, no, she... Scratches out. She doesn't yell anything out. It's not her turn yet. I couldn't think of anything to say. <laughs> uh, all right. And then, so then that will be my turn. Yeah, that'll be my turn. What am I talking about? No, I have another shot. I get two attacks. <laughs> uh, okay, does a 20 hit her? Uh, let me, I think I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah, 20 does hit her. All right, that's for another nine damage on her. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay, now that's the end of my turn. Oh my. Drop her like a sack of potatoes. Just do it. Hell yeah. I want to avoid spirit guardians. I want to avoid a spiritual weapon. I just remember the damage she did at the gallows. All right. That brings us to the great swordsman um, on, uh, on horseback. So um, at first they were going to just kind of go up this ridge and call out and tell uh, Nari not to run. But now seeing the arrows are coming down, the first guy, the one who actually spotted Nari in the first place, yells out, we're under siege. We're under attack. And he starts uh, galloping up the ridge. He can move 60 feet. Let's see. How far is that? I had prepared an action to, if they were coming at us, to throw a sleep crystal, specifically targeting the horses. Okay. So you are going to target the horse as it uh, comes racing up this ridge. Um, how far out did you want to? Did you want it to be before you throw the crystal? I would probably try and maximize. So as he got... Um, across the ridge. My range is about 60 feet with the crystal, so I'd want to kind of throw it in between him and the guy behind him. Okay. There's the, the two horses. So I, my my hope is that I might have done enough HP with this roll to put both of their horses to sleep. Okay, I'm going to let you know you probably didn't put both horses to sleep. Let me see if you put one horse to sleep. <laughs> So I got 19 for my my roll there. I rolled so bad. Is it the war horse? Yeah. How many hit points does Crumbles have? 19. Okay. So here's the deal. Okay. So 
one of these horses is going to fall asleep. Now we have to determine which one it is. So I am going to roll a die and see the odds it's going to be the, the horse that's coming first, even as it's going to be the one that's coming second. It is even. Okay, so this first guy who first yelled out, the, you can see like the magic come off of the crystal um, as it hits the ground next to them. And uh, he kind of uh, like uh, shrugs it off. But this second guy, his horse falls asleep and tumbles to the ground and he comes falling off. And so actually what that's going to do is that will make him prone and that's going to take a lot of his turn to get up and start moving. Um, but we still have another horseman coming up from behind as well. So if there's three horsemen coming up. The first one um, pounds, uh, pounds up the ridge and comes straight towards Roos. Roos, he's got a lance in his hand. He's going to make two attacks against you. Uh, does a 16 hit you? A 16 hits me. Does a nine hit you? No. No. Okay, so the first one to hit you deals eight damage with that lance. Okay. I will activate the um, uh, the crystalline absorption matrix in my glove and block a little bit of that damage. Okay. Um, and then, so we've got two guys on their horses come pounding up the ridge towards you. The third guy who got who fell off his horse, he gets up for half his movement, and then he's going to rush up there 15 feet and then use uh, his action to move another 30 feet. He's coming up right behind that second horse now, just charging up the hill with his, uh, his greatsword out. Uh, and that brings us to Roos. Roos, this is now your turn. You've got a guy on a horseback literally right in front of you and another one right behind him that can't quite get around him this turn. Yeah. Roos is not liking all of these people in front of him. Uh, I am going to throw, pull out another crystal, a grease crystal this time, and throw it at the ground, hopefully getting both of the horses. Okay. That's a 20-foot square, right? 20-foot square. Perfect. And I am going to disengage and move backwards towards Mr. Pine. All right. At DC 13, dexterity. For the horses? Yes. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, gosh, I don't have the stats for the war horse up here. I thought I had saved those. I don't have them. Their dex is plus one. And the guy, too, because he's in it. The one on foot. Okay, so DC 13. We'll do the guy first. The guy on foot manages to stay standing. The uh, first horse, uh, uh, they all make it. Uh, the first horse gets a 14 and the second horse gets an 18. So they all make it. But now it is, it, it's, how, what is it? If they move through it, then they have to make the check again or that's like they're slowed? I think if they end their turn in it. it actually, so I would like, so I'll stay where I am actually. I'll stay right there. Okay. Um, to kind of hopefully keep them in that zone. Gotcha. That brings us now to the priest of Iramil. She points her mace at you guys and she says, there, the adjudicators, murderers, get them. And then she starts coming up the, uh, the ridge towards you guys. And uh, she moves about 30 feet. And then you see a very familiar nimbus of light uh, come around her. Uh, and uh, she uh, casts spirit guardians again. That brings us now to Nari. All right. Nari is going to run up um to that horse that is in Bruce's sludge bomb. Um and she is going to take a swing with her hand axe. Uh that's a 10 to hit. I'm going to use uh, my reaction with the hawk to grant her advantage on this attack. Okay. Nice. Okay. Well uh that would be a 19 to hit. 
Okay, that does hit. Cool. Okay, that's much better. So that does nine damage. Okay. And then she's going to swing again for another 19 to hit and eight damage. All right, so a total of 17 damage. Nice. Just your just your hand axe, not your great axe? Well, I have a great sword, but I haven't equipped it yet. Nari's kind of going through some things. She's really attached to this hand axe, guys. <laughs> okay, Did you not follow my Insta story? Come on. <laughs> Yeah, she's had some feelings. Like, I did some math today. I realize that it's more effective, but I like my axe. All right, there you go. Are you, are you trying to use your hand axe or your great axe? Oh, I'm sorry, my great axe. Oh, I was hitting the wrong thing. Well, roll that damage again. I mean, 17 damage with a hand axe is pretty awesome. Okay, but, no, uh, sorry, that's 20. Yeah, my bad. Okay, okay, so 20 damage instead. All right, Ebby, you're up. Oh, man, okay. Um... <laughs> Here we go. We're gonna we're gonna give this a shot, guys. So Ebby is gonna go ahead and move his 30 to kind of try to get into that area as well where all this fighting is happening. And then right underneath this guy. That first horseman? Yeah, I'm going to use my cantrip to create a bonfire. Now I know it's kind of wet, but the grease I think we were saying might be flammable. And if so, I'm hoping that I can catch this whole patch of ground on fire. Okay, so yeah, we were we were adding the flammable to the grease uh, for flavor before. So let's roll it. But let's here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna roll um, a luck die, and because it is so wet, I'm gonna have you roll a d uh, a d twenty. And if you can get a sixteen or above, it catches the whole square on fire. If it's if it's less than that, you still can hit the horse uh, or rider. Okay, cool. Okay. Oh, I rolled a nat one. Okay. Yes. Well, it still it still gets the uh, the horse and rider. So what does he have to do? Make a uh, reflex save? Yeah, he has to do a, a DC 15 dexterity save or he'll take uh, 2d8 damage, which in this case will be six damage. Okay. Or wait, I'm sorry. Hold on. Let me let me actually roll that. 12 damage, actually. Max damage. <laughs> or an almost max damage. <laughs> All right, we're going to say that the horse takes that damage because it's right underneath that horse's feet. The rider can feel the uh, flames kind of licking up towards his feet, but that horse is right in it. So that horse takes 12 damage. All right, anything else you want to do, Ebby? Um, that is it. Okay. That brings us now to the two archers. They are going to move up and kind of flank the priest of Iramil. And they are going to take some shots. It looks like the clear shots are... Um, now, remind me, uh, Pine is still hiding, right? No, you've taken some shots. You're not hiding anymore. Yeah, they, they know where I'm at. Okay, so the, the, the two clear shots for these scouts are Ebby and Pine. So, Ebby, you're getting two shots at you. And uh, I'm guessing that a, five, uh, no, a six and a five don't hit you. Just barely. <laughs> okay. And Pine, two shots at you. We have got a 14 and a 9. Neither one hit me either. Okay. All right. And that brings us now back up to the top for Pine. Don't forget, Pine, you also have an Alaton. An Alaton with, with precious cargo. Um, okay. So um, Pine is going to take two more shots at the Priest of Aramil. Okay. With Hop's Longbow. So first attack is a 16. Does that hit? Uh, that barely misses. Fudge. <sighs> Second attack is a 22 to hit. That does hit. For 13 damage. 
15 damage? Oh my gosh. Again, almost max. <laughs> I wish I wish I could smite with a ranged weapon, but I cannot. Um, so then what I'll do is I will stow the bow, draw my sword, and I'm going to come kind of fill the gap next to Nari, just outside of the grease. Okay. So that as more of the soldiers come up, they don't get past and, and kind of flank us. And then for Crumble's turn, I'm just going to have Crumble's head uh, north of us 60 feet, try to get out of the combat and keep Apple Bottom away. Okay. All right, yeah. So Crumble's actually is going to be off the map at this point. Cool. Okay. All right. Anything else you want to do, Pine, before the uh, Great Swordsman go? No. Okay. All right. So here's what's going to happen. The Great Swordsman, it's their turn. The one on foot is going to hustle up out of the grease and come at Ebby, while the one who is behind is going to move up next to the other one. So now we have a line of great swordsmen. Two of them are mounted. One of them is on on foot. The one on foot draws out a great sword. He's going to swing at Ebby two times. We have got a six or a 20. I'm guessing the 20 hits you, right? The 20 will hit. Yeah. Okay. And that's going to hit you for 11 damage, Ebby. Oof. The next one over who is still in the grease uh, on his horse is going to stab down at Pine twice with his lance. We have... <laughs> We've got a four, or no, sorry, a, a six or a nine. Do either of those hit you? Oh, no. Okay. And his horse gets a natural 20 and just kind of like starts uh, prancing in the grease and moonwalking a little bit, but manages to stay put. Dances like the horses on uh, Ferdinand. <laughs> Have you seen that video of the woman on the horse doing dressage where it's like, it's like tap dancing, basically? It's so fast. I have not. Now I need to. The meme is something like when you when you try it, when you hop on a getaway horse and this is the one you pick and it's just like barely moving and just tap, 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 oh, tap, 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 tap. Oh, yeah, I've oh. seen that. <laughs> it's not that great. Okay, this this second um, great swordsman, he has uh, three targets to choose from, so we'll see who he's going after. He is going to go after, oh, Nari, he's coming after you. Two stabs with his uh, lance. We have got an eight or a seven. <laughs> no. <laughs> I like these guys. They're pretty. They're pretty okay. But he does manage to stay on his horse. Come on, his horse does stay up. Um, is the bonfire still under the horse? It is still. I'm going to maintain concentration on the bonfire, and hopefully, I don't know if it's going to be able to spread at all. But um, at least just keep burning whoever's right there. Got it. Um, and it, it, he takes damage on your turn, right? Uh, it says at the end of their turn, whenever they move into the space, or if they end their turn there. Okay, he's still there, so he's going to make another... The, the horse is going to make another uh, dexterity for a 13. Uh, it was DC 15, actually, for the dexterity. Oh, gosh. How much damage? 11 more damage. That horse dies. Oh! <laughs> Burn! Burn! The horse goes down, and there is now a, uh, a swordsman who kind of collapses down. He is now prone um, in front of you as the horse. Actually, let me make it. Let me have him. He's going to make a check. Let me see if he can manage to jump off the horse. Nope. He, uh, he tries to jump off the horse. His leg gets kind of caught and he ends up, uh, face first in the mud right in front of Nari Pine and Ruth. Oh man, this fight. Did he fall in the fiery sludge that's below him now? I'm pretty sure that would count as entering the fire on his turn. all right well he gets to make a uh, dexterity save with disadvantage because he's prone um yep natural one so how much damage does he take the same amount 11 damage that or we can have him take a separate amount whatever you'd like 
he'll take the separate amount. He'll take seven damage instead. Got it. All right. Okay. And that brings us now to Roos. Roos, what are you going to do? Roos is liking the odds against the man on the ground in front of him. And he's going to take out his long, uh, his uh, short sword, pardon me, and um, make an attack with advantage. I got a 23 to hit. <laughs> that hits. For 10 piercing and 15 precision, 25 damage. Oh my gosh. So total, this guy has had 52 hit points worth of damage. He has 52 hit points. Oh, oh, awesome. Man. He can't, he, he falls into the flame. He starts to kind of call, ah, ah, as his coat starts to burn. And you just find that little uh, slit in his visor and stick your knife right in there. Get his eye. Okay. All right. Anything else you want to do? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, no, I, I'm not going to do anything with my bonus action, but I'm going to shout out to the priestess. Your men captured some innocent people last night. You might want to think of freeing them before you attack other innocent people. Yes. Innocent. <laughs> All right. She points up at the ridge. Are you getting it? You guys with, with her mace. And, uh, she says, see this Proves your guilt. You're attacking soldiers of the Empire. Kill them all. And then she moves up into the fray. She's got to make a deck save. No, 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 no. She's going to stay outside the grease. <laughs> She's, so she can't reach you, but she gets outside the grease, which means that now uh, Nari and Roos are in the Spirit Guardians. Um, so I think you make that save on your turn. Um, oh, wait, Paul. I'm... I, I didn't. I forgot to do this one on her on her turn, but I did hit her, and she didn't do a concentration check. But we passed oh. that up, so we just no, need no, to remember. We'll do it we real quick. It. We'll do okay. it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I was okay not doing it, but you said we'll do it, and then you rolled a four. Okay. All right. You know what, you guys? How about you guys just totally just destroy this battle because uh, all of a sudden you see the spirit guardians drop. Um, she no longer has her spirit guardians up, which. <laughs> Is interesting. It's very interesting. She's she's waving her mace around, like pointing at you guys. But then you see her put her hand on her on her shoulder, and she's gonna heal herself. Let's see. Oh, that was a really good heal. Okay. All right. You actually see the little cut on her face from the arrow that initial hit. You see it. You see it close up. Is she still looking somewhat hurt though? She's still hurt. Yes. Okay. She did not get rid of all of her damage, but she did. She did. She did heal. She got a very good heal, but that was also a, a higher level spell. Okay, um, Nari, it is your turn. Nari's feeling pretty good. Uh, she's going to attack the soldier on the horse that's in front of her, the one that's not dead with her great axe. Okay. Uh, a nat 20 to hit. So that is a critical that's gonna hit. That's going to be 24 damage to that gentleman. That is fantastic. Do it again. I will go in again for a 15 to hit. That misses. Okay. Darn, I was going to say if I could use my reaction with the hawk to give her advantage again. Uh, Is it too late? Yeah. We can, no, it no, can be can. too late. You can. That, okay. That's fine. You can. That's your reaction, though. Yeah, that's fine with me. Okay, then I will swing again uh, for a 23 to hit. That hits. And then 13 damage. Oh, yeah. And just like that, this guy is hurting, too. Awesome. All right. Ebby, it's your turn. Well, since the bonfire felt very effective last time, we're going to go ahead and recreate that 
under now the other guy that's standing up, right? <laughs> um. All right. So first off, make your luck check to see if you can catch the whole thing on fire. All right. Come on. Be better this time. A 12? No, it's still not good enough. I think you needed a 16 or more. Got it. Okay. No worries. So he needs a DC 15 or he'll take some fire damage. Okay, so the horse made a, di- a DC 17 uh, uh, dexterity save. So okay. no damage then, right? Because it's a cantrip. That's right. Yep. Okay. No damage. The horse kind of like actually almost stamps out the fire, but keeps it kind of uh, to a minimum. Okay, cool. Um, so that is my action with my bonus. Well, no, I guess I can't do that. Uh, trying to see if there's anything else I can do. I think that's... I think that's pretty much it. So I will just hang tight and just hang out there and absorb some more damage. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right. The two uh, scouts with their with their bows and arrows, they now have uh, basically three easy targets. They've got Pine, they've got Nari, and they've got Roos. So uh, the first one is going to shoot at Roos. Roos, two shots coming your way. We've got a 24 and we've got a 17. Those both hit. All right. That is going to deal uh, 14 damage between the two shots. Which uh, which one was more? They're both the same. It's actually a seven and a seven, believe it or not. I rolled okay. two fives. They added two. So the, the first one that comes at me, I'm going to block with my glove and, and half the damage. And then the other will hit me. So, so a total of, I think, eight damage, right? Eight damage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. And then the second one is going to take shots at... Nari, Nari, you got two shots coming at you. Do okay. Does a twenty-two or a twenty-three hit? I think they both hit too. Those hit. All right, and you are going to take fifteen damage. Ouch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's their turn. All right, Pine, it's your turn. What are you going to do? So I am going to. I am. In, I'm engaged with one of the mounted uh, swordsmen that has taken damage, right? Has the fire under the horse? Yes. Okay. All right. I will go ahead and attack twice on that guy. First attack is a 13, which will miss. Second attack is a 19. Which will hit. Okay. And I do 14 <laughs> piercing damage. That was max damage. 14 damage. Dang. All right. This guy's hurting. So, hey, listeners, we're using the dice roller in our uh, virtual tabletop uh, to do the dice rolling. So maybe there's something wrong with the code, but I'm rolling really good damage consistently. I wouldn't say something's wrong with the code. (laughs) I just don't want anybody to think that I'm here at home rolling my dice and be like, oh, yep, it's another max damage. You guys can't (laughs) see because you're in a different state, but... Dude, we rolled like all ones a couple weeks <laughs> That's ago. True. I think we deserve a W on occasion. That's true. seriously. Okay, so th- that's that is my turn. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right. So we have got then we've got two great swordsmen still up. One of them is definitely going to take shots at Ebby. The other one is definitely who just got hit real hard by Pine. Going to take shots at him. So Ebby, two swings at you. Does an eighteen hit you? It just hits. Okay. You take 13 damage. Oof. Okay. Okay. And then Pine. Oh, man, that's two hits for sure. We have a 24 and a 23. 
Okay. Here come the big rolls on my part. There we go. We all laughed at me when I couldn't hit anything the first round. Roll your damage. Roll your damage. Who's laughing now? Nobody. <laughs> all right. Oh, my gosh. That is going to be 23 damage. Wow. <laughs> okay. That was nine damage and nine. Oh, that was a, it was a, a five and a four plus three, and then a six and a three plus three. Okay. Well, that is uh, half my hit points gone right there. Over half my hit points. All right, and we've got Roos, and then we've got a priest of, of Iramil who, you know, just like you guys level up, it looks like maybe she may have leveled Ooh, up too. The horse needs to roll dex. Yeah, dex saves. Let's see if the horse can make his dex save and then also his save against the fire. So the horse's dex save does not fall down. The horse slides out and goes prone. <laughs> um, and then the fire is going to hit, we'll say the horse and the rider because that's more fun um so they both have to make deck saves with disadvantage so the rider um he gets no he gets a six so he takes damage and then the horse is going to get an 11 that's not enough either so they both take damage from the from the bonfire so they take five fire damage then oh my gosh jeez so this great swordsman had 47 hit points gone he has a total of 52 hit points this is the second great swordsman you've taken down with exactly the right amount of hit points to kill them. <laughs> nice. Yes. And the horse now is shrieking in pain uh, from the fire that it has caught it on fire. Come on, Ebby, you're supposed to be all about nature. Burn. Burn them all. <laughs> Sometimes nature's a bitch. <laughs> all right, Roos, what are you going to do? Roos is going to attempt something i'm going to jump onto the dead horse in front of me and try and leap from it outside of the grease zone and land behind the priestess of Irmil. well let's let's have you make an acrobatics check just to see if you can get to the grease off of the dead horse okay so difficulty we'll say 15 i got a 14 <laughs> on my oh, decks <laughs> okay so this is not the end of the world. You jump on the horse and the dead horse shifts underneath your weight. And then I just need you to make uh, your normal dexterity save to see if you can stay up in the grease. I got a 21 on my deck save. Okay. So you you still managed to get um, through the grease without any problems, but it wasn't quite as cool looking as you thought it was going to be. That's okay. And you managed to get around to out of the grease next to the priest of Iramil. Okay. And then I'm going to strike at her with my short sword and my dagger with the short sword i got a 17 to hit that hits for seven damage okay and then with my dagger i got a 16 to hit that does not hit okay and that will be my turn oh i'll say i'll say um stop talking to her i have to think of responses now I'm just <laughs> <laughs> i'll i'll whisper like really quiet i don't want the rest of the party to hear this i'll say we have chancellor Oh, jeez. Oh, you. Oh, man. Oh. oh. You guys didn't hear that. You have no idea what, I don't know. what she's talking about. All right. Here we go. Um, What is she going to do? I'm looking at her spells. I'm looking at. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I think that's what's going to happen. She is going to cast Spirit Guardians again, but this time at a fourth level. Oh, no. Uh, which I believe 
does then 4d8 damage. Holy cow. This might get me, guys. Only if it's still up when you start your next turn. Don't you take damage when, as soon as it drops? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure you take damage on your turn when you first enter it or if you start your turn in it. But okay. it coming up around you does not count as you entering it. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. Cool. I, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Yeah. It's like, it's like it's like you have to have made the choice to be in that or get pushed into it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then uh, she smirks at you and she says, Eremil will judge you. Nari, you are in the Spirit Guardians. So, I need you to make a wisdom save. And the difficulty is a difficulty... Where did I put that? Is it less than 21? It is not less than 21. I mean, yes, it is less than 21. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, her, where is her difficulty at? Oh, spellcasting. Uh, it's a, she's got a difficulty 15. Sit. Just remember, the guys, you have to beat a 15 to, to not get hurt. All right. Well, I'm not going to care about her little witchcraft sorcery. Oh, you're um, still going to take damage. It's just going to be half damage. Oh, well, okay. So you're going to take six damage instead of 12 damage. Yeah, so I'm not going to care about her little witchcraft sorcery. <laughs> um, and Nari is going to move over here, and she is going to, again, strike out with that axe for a 15 to hit. Against that last uh, great swordsman that's still standing? Um, yeah. Uh, 15 does not hit. Can I use my reaction again to give her advantage? You 100% can. Okay, then that would be a nat, or a 26, a nat 17, or 19, which is a crit, yeah. Nice. Um, so that's 26 damage. Oh, oh my gosh, that's a huge hit. That's almost maximum crit damage for you. That's awesome. Just like that, you took away half his hit points in one swing. I'm going to go in again. Um, 16 to hit. That misses. Okay. Uh, that's it. Okay. Ebby, you see this great sword been standing in front of you, and he just got walloped hard. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I I still... I think I'm going to now just conjure a bonfire right underneath him now, too. We'll just keep <laughs> moving it right along. <laughs> okay. And uh, he has to do a DC 15 dex save. All right. So he has to make a dexterity save. Uh, he made a, a 15 dexterity save. Oh, yeah. That would be enough. Just enough. Okay. All right. The archers are going to take a shot, and it looks like the only clear target is Bruce, who is standing right in front of the priest of Iramil. And this is the end of Bruce. Uh, this is not looking good. We've got some seriously hurt players. We've got some great swordsmen still standing. We've got a, a priest who's, I mean, eventually going to deal some damage, hopefully. And we've got arrows being fired at an already injured Roos. Been nice knowing you guys. It's, that's where we're going to stop for tonight. It's been crazy today. I can't believe some of the rolls. I mean... Uh, wait, you're stopping. Come on, Paul. You're not going to roll the damage? Come on. No, no, we'll, we'll, we'll wait. We'll wait for that. Uh, this is a good place to stop. Leave everybody thirsty for more. Anyway, oh, um, so if you like what you're hearing, go ahead and go... <laughs> What, thirsty for more? Bruce sounds way thirsty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I'm super thirsty. <laughs> oh, jeez. Leave us a review. Tweet about us. Uh, go check out our Patreon. Uh, check out our... Uh... Make some Nari fan art. I need some Nari fan art, you guys. Yes. 
Yeah, we actually got some um, fan art of Pine the other day. It was great. So yeah, we, we love the fan art. It's going to go up on the wiki under each character. Um, so yeah, so send that our way. Otherwise, until next time, have a great night.